Hey there, it's Vashti Sarah. Welcome back to Post Blog. If this is your first time listening, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, like button, follow button, share button, all the buttons to stay connected with the Post Blog podcast. And for those of you who this is not your first time, welcome back. Happy Wednesday. I hope y'all had a great weekend. Memorial weekend is at least in the United States, it's recognized and celebrated, but also honored because of those who went before us and have fought. So Memorial weekend, Memorial day is always somewhat a solemn, but also celebratory day uh, to remember family and friends who have fought in the war, who are a part of the army, whether it be the Navy um, or anything in that field, men and women who have fought for the United States and have sacrificed their lives. So with that, I applaud those and I grieve with those who have lost family members. And um, I just want to acknowledge that before we jump into today's episode, um, I found out my my husband's grandpa was actually in one of the wars. So really cool that, you know, my now heritage because of marrying into the Pizer's family, you know, I have that family member who have fought the great fight and um, sacrificed his life for this great country. So again, thank you to those who have sacrificed their lives and thank you to family members who have uh, sacrificed time with their loved ones. And for those who felt that calling, it's huge. It's not for everyone. And I just don't want to miss that opportunity to say thank you and to acknowledge that acknowledge what has been done because it is a big deal and it should always be a big deal and should never be forgotten. So with that being said, today's episode, we're going to talk about being the better person or be the better person. And this whole topic stemmed about because my husband and I were having a really big conversation and I was holding on to a grudge. I was holding on to um, this conflict. And my husband told me, Vashti, be the better person. And at first he kind of stumbled me or he got me for a second because I didn't realize what he was saying. I thought he I thought what he meant was uh, do the right thing or um, be the bigger person. But he said, be the better person. And the reason why he didn't say be the bigger person is because oftentimes the whole connotation behind that or the idea behind that is that being the bigger person is that you know it all. You are more perfect than the other person or you have more strength or whatever it may be than that other person. So the whole phrase be the bigger person doesn't come across really well for a lot of people. So when he said be the better person, he was actually targeting that character trait inside of me that I, you know, claim to profess or claim to want to have. And that is being an example of Christ. So being better is understood as knowing what's truth. So if you know what's truth, you'll do the better thing. You'll do the right thing. And that goes with conflict, that goes with resolving issues, that goes with holding on to anger or animosity or whatever it may be. And interestingly, um, as much as I don't agree with the Buddha faith and religion, Buddha said something that was pretty, pretty smart and spot on. 
Um, apparently it's claimed that Buddha, he, she, I'm really not sure if Buddha has a gender, but the God Buddha of um, the Buddhist faith uh, once said or was told or was said that he said or she said, holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else. However, you're the one who ends up being burned. And he also says holding on to anger is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. So being the better person is taking that leap of faith, taking that step to say, I will be better by seeking out to do better. I will be the better person because I claim to know better. And in knowing better, I will not hold on to anger. In knowing better, I will seek out reconciliation. In knowing better, I will do what is right. And that's not saying that you know what's best. That's not saying that you are all-knowing or you are of higher power or higher status or, you know, you're just, you know, the, the top dog out there. That's not it at all. It's saying, because I proclaim to be a Christian, because I proclaim to want to walk out the Christian faith, then I should do better because I claim to know better. And I hope that makes sense because it can be a little bit uh, muddy. This, (laughs) the whole idea of do better, be better person. It can be a little bit muddy. However, essentially, you and I, if we proclaim to love God and love people, then we should do exactly that. I am not the best at reconciliation, and I've probably said this a million times. I like to simmer in my issues. I like to just stew in what's going on. And I don't enjoy resolving conflict. And I I, I don't enjoy just the whole process of making things right. I enjoy the fruits of it. I enjoy reconciling and making things better and all that comes with it. I enjoy all of that, but I just don't like taking the step towards it. But if you and I know better, then we should do better. And how do I know that you and I know better? If we say we love God, if we say we're Christians, if we're followers of the Christian faith, and we read our Bible, that's key right there, then we should know better because we have access to what is better. The Bible is the biblical instructions before leaving earth. It is our map. It's our guide to life. It's our guide to character. It's our guide to how we should live. And this whole book tells us how to be better. It tells us how to do better. So because we have all these instructions, because we have this source and this tool, then we should walk it out, shouldn't we? It'll be pointless if we have all that in our hands and we do nothing with it. But I think that also targets something that's really important. We might feel like we have Christianity in our hands or in our hearts. We might feel like that's what taking that's what's taking up our hearts, but really What's actually in our hearts is our past. Our hands, our hearts are so full of the past that 
It has no room for Christianity. It has no room for the future. I think too often we fail to realize that every second that we spend dwelling in the past is a second of our present that we are missing out on. Every second that we dwell on what's going on in our life, that anger, that bitterness, the, the, the root of all evil, the, the, the issues that we've hold on to, maybe it could be malice. Maybe it could be something within, within your family, self-doubt, insecurities. Every second that we dwell in the rut of our lives, we are missing out on our present. We are missing out on the difference we can make right now. Because if you keep holding on to your past, if you keep holding on to anger, malice, bitterness, you know, whatever it may be, the pain will never go away. And it goes back to that analogy that Buddha mentioned in his, in his statement about coal, holding on to coal. Coal is hot. When it's heated up, hot coal is hot. I don't know if you've ever stepped on hot coal. I've never stepped on hot coal, but I've seen people step on hot coal in, in movies and, and, and different shows, and it looks painful. But that's what holding on to your past, holding on to anger, malice, bitterness, shame, whatever it may be, that's what it's like. When we hold on to stuff like that, the pain will never go away. Because we're holding on to something that's destroying us. Imagine holding on to a needle. I don't know if that's a great analogy. Or maybe imagine holding on to a porcupine. Again, maybe not a great analogy. How about this? Imagine having, if you're not into spices, this, this will work well with you. But imagine having habanero pepper in your mouth. You're just, you just have it in your mouth and it's painful. It burns. But you don't spit it out. Silly. Why? No, I won't spill it. I'll just keep it in my mouth. That because that makes logical sense. You don't, you don't spit it out. You don't swallow it. You just keep it right on your tongue. You keep it right there, close by. So that the pain just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. You don't spit it out. No, because that, that doesn't make sense. And that's what a lot of us are doing in our lives. We don't spit out the anger. Oh, well, technically some of us do by the words that we say. But we don't get rid of the anger. We don't get rid of the shame. We don't get rid of the malice. We don't get rid of the, the conflict. We don't seek out resolution. We don't seek out forgiveness, healing, and, and extend love. Rather, we hold on to it. And we destroy our lives. We grasp onto it. Expecting for the other person to die. Expecting for the other person to hurt. Expecting for the person who hurt you to be more hurt than you are. But in return, the only thing that's happening is you're destroying yourself. You're destroying your mind, your heart, and all those around you. You're essentially just digging your own grave. And I've had to learn that. And it may not even be anger, bitterness, resentment, and whatever it may be towards another person. It may be something that you're inflicting on your own self. It could be stress. I know for me, I recently told my husband, Jared, I'm not one to express how I feel in terms of stress, negative things, like daily negative things. I'm not one to 
actively vocalize how I feel. Every day when I come home, he'll ask me, how was your day? And I'm like, oh, it's it was good because I don't typically dwell on something going wrong. And I highlight all the good things in my life. But the bad things, I tend to just brush under the rug and let it simmer. Just brush it under the rug. Let it be there. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's going to disappear, whatever. You know, I, I tend to just leave it there. Let it let it float away. But I really don't target the issue. I really don't. I think it'll disappear and float away, but it really doesn't. It's there and it just compounds upon each other. One by one, compounds upon my heart until I am stressed out. And if I'm being completely transparent, I'll just be honest with y'all. Only my family knew this, but I've had like major headaches and migraines recently and I never really deal with stuff like that. I drink a lot of water, so... It, it it could have been triggered by that. CT scan, CT scan came back completely clear. You know, they did blood work. They noticed, you know, my iron levels were low, but that's normal. It always has been normal ever since a kid, borderline anemic. But I was trying to target what exactly is it that's triggering these things, this headache, this migraine, my heart ra- racing. And one day I was doing my devotion and it was based on forgiveness. And it it touches on the Lord's prayer in Matthew chapter six, where Jesus says, you know, this is how you should pray. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then it goes on to talk about forgiveness. But in the Lord's prayer, the only action required, the only action part on us that's required is, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's the only thing that we needed to do in the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer honors who God is. It glorifies God. It it acknowledges authority. And then it acknowledge submission, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It acknowledges God as our source, give us this day our daily bread. And then it charges, it charges us to do something. We need to forgive. So during that devotional, great devotional, all fine and dandy, until I was charged to write down things that I'm holding on to. And the crazy part of it is I didn't even realize I was holding on to anything. When I read the question the first time, write down things that you haven't forget or people you haven't forgiven yet. I immediately chuckled because I was like, I, I don't have anyone that I haven't forgiven. And then I sat there and I pondered a little bit. And that's when all the writing came out. And I realized, Vashti, you've been holding on to things that have been triggering your stress level that have been triggering migraines and headaches that you haven't, you didn't even realize this was happening to you. And I needed to be the better person, but I was too stubborn, too prideful to do just that because I just thought, Oh, it'll disappear. I'll be all right. I'll forgive. It'll be all right. It'll be whatever. Whatever. 
I'll forget about it. But really, I didn't forget about it. In my subconscious, I was dwelling on something that could have been resolved within a second. But I was stewing on something. I was swimming in my little pot of anger, swimming in my pot of self-righteousness. And I didn't realize that my lack of forgiveness was triggering and was, was revealing itself in different areas of my life, specifically my health. Paul talks about this in Romans and he says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil by being the better person. The better person feeds his enemy. The better person gives water to his enemy. The better person extends compassion and mercy. James chapter one says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. And then first John chapter three, anyone who hates the brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. You and I need to be the better person. If you and I claim to know better because we have the biblical instructions, because it clearly states the importance of reconciliation, and the gravity of holding on to anger, bitterness and wrath. If you and I claim to know all this, then we need to be the better person in knowing better. We do better. And that's the power of knowledge. In the Old Testament, God said, my people perish not because of the lack of knowledge, but because they reject the knowledge. We suffer here on earth, not because we do not know, because we reject what we do know. We know we need to seek out forgiveness. We know we need to reconcile. We know we need to get rid of bitterness and wrath and anger and all that. But it's much easier to hold on to it, not realizing that we're destroying ourselves. The only person that's suffering is us. We're not excused whenever Jesus returns. We're not excused because we know what we need to do. To reconcile is to restore. And in theology, in Christian theology, that is an important element of salvation. That's exactly what Jesus did here on earth. He came to earth, the whole idea of the gospel message, Jesus came to earth to reconcile and to restore. And we should do the exact same with those that we live with. Earthly reconciliation is ending the estrangement between man and man. It's finding peace. Even when you disagree with someone else's point of view, it's saying, I will love you if we don't agree, even if we don't agree. It's saying, I'm going to admit that I did wrong. It's saying that was evil, but I love you. It's saying, despite you did wrong, I will forgive. Our hearts need to desire reconciliation because if we truly claim we have salvation, if we truly claim that we know Jesus and we were running after the father's heart, if we truly claim that we should mimic that reconciliation should be our life mantra. 
We cannot continue living life too emotional and too driven by our flesh, where we either conceal our hatred that it affects our health and affects our speech or character, or we lash out on every person that comes our way. We need to be the better person. We need to do better. While we are products of our past, we don't need and we should not be prisoners of it. Yes, our past has shaped us. Things that have, done, have been done to us has shaped the way we think or character and all that. But we shouldn't be prisoners of it. Watch your thoughts because they will become your words. Watch your words because they will become your actions. Watch your actions because they will become your habits. Watch your habits because they will become your character. And watch your character because that is what will shape your destiny. Holding on to anger, holding on to bitterness, holding on to things of the past does nothing but destroys you and shapes a destiny that is filled of rut, that is filled with tar, that is filled with hot coal that's just destroying and eating you alive. So my challenge to you, my challenge to you is similar to the challenge that Jesus left here on earth. Go into all the world and make disciples of yourselves, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them. But in order for you to go into all the world, in order for you to love people, because it requires loving people in order to go into all the world and sharing the gospel message. Before you can do that, you need to truly evaluate, do I really love God? Or is Christianity just a label that I place on myself to fit in? Or is Christianity just simply what I say I am and what I follow because that's what my parents said? Do you truly love God? And if you do, if you truly love God, then you will be the better person. If you truly love God, you will do better because that's what God has called us to do. That's it for today, guys. Thank you for joining me on Post Blog. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, like button, follow button, share button, all the buttons to stay connected with the Post Blog podcast. Same time, same place next week. I love y'all. But remember, God loves you most.